There we go. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Coaches Podcast. I am beyond thrilled that you all are here and absolutely stoked to have Josh Perry joining us. Josh, thank you so much for taking some time to come and just hang out for a bit. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time as well, and I appreciate you reaching out originally and making this happen. Yeah, the it's so crazy. The wild thing is that when I reached out to you, I had no clue that we lived in the same like area in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how that works. <laughs> I was like, I'm not the last of my kind, so. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, your story is mind-boggling, and we are certainly going to get to that. But since this is the very first episode um, of the show, and you were brave enough to be my first guest, <laughs> um, it's funny, when I sent Josh the, uh, I said, Josh, would you like to know any questions beforehand? And he's like, no, you know, he wanted to be surprised. So we're actually going to play a game. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, have you ever played Two Truths and a Lie? I don't think so. I think I've think so. seen it, but okay. I don't think I've played it. Okay, I'm hoping you're quick on your feet. I think you are. <laughs> we'll see. So what the way it's going to work is um, we'll go back and forth, and you have to come up with two, two things that are true about yourself and one thing that is a lie, and the okay. other person has to guess which one is true, which ones are true, and which one is a lie. Okay. Okay. So my objective is to come up with two truths and one lie. And yep. And then to just share them with you and then you pick. And then I pick. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. We, and I did a little to... bitty research, but not a ton. So you oh, okay. still have a chance. <laughs> okay. So I got to be careful then. All right. I'll go first. I'll give you a little bit of time. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So when I was younger, I actually got my head stuck in between the metal bars of a bunk bed. Um, the second one is I am absolutely obsessed with curry. So anything Indian, like, and I love curry powder. Um, the third one is that I am fluent in three different languages. So two are true and one's false. Yep. I feel like you, I feel like you would know three languages. Really? I don't, because my my initial reaction was, or yeah, my intuition was like no to that last one. The other two I could see, but then I was like, well, she played up the curry and Indian food quite a bit. That could be false. <laughs> so I guess I mean I'm one out of three. We're getting one of them right. So let's see. Um, <laughs> I'll start with the false one because then that makes everything else fall into place uh-huh some strategy yeah. here okay but then you're also very convincing when you're like really you don't think i speak like three languages or you think i speak language? let's see all right i'm gonna go with my instincts on this one or what my intuition was telling me hopefully it's right that you don't speak three languages wow <laughs> that is correct Oh wow. wow! I was like, <laughs> you convinced me that I was wrong, but then you convinced me that maybe I was right. Uh -huh. I was like, either way, so because yeah, like I said, you played up the curry quite uh -huh. a bit, and I don't know too many people that actually love Indian food. I I do, uh -huh. but I was like, maybe she's playing this up because that's the false one. But oh. <laughs> I had a, I had a feeling you were gonna get it right. I was like, he's a brain guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so two truths and one lie for me, which I don't like lying, so no. <laughs> um, okay, so, and this is for you, and you've done some research, so I'm trying to think of when I've posted about certain things recently. Not a okay. whole lot. Okay, so should they be a variety of different things, or can it be about one topic, and I share, like? Yeah. Okay, so there's no yeah. right or wrong. Let's see. So we're going to do about food okay? because I know you're a health coach as well. And that, that'd be interesting. Okay. So here they are. I eat a whole banana every day. I love jalapenos and I don't eat fish. Huh. Actually, 
dang it i messed up i i messed up yes because there is one there's i flipped them so there's two false and one truth damn it i've totally done that before wait i, I wait this will be more fun though hold on okay can we keep it yeah please okay keep it okay huh i'm gonna go with you don't eat a whole banana every day and you that, don't like jalapenos those are the two truths or false wait this is what are I they did. both false I those. did two two lies and one truth on you accident. did two lies the two yeah. lies are the the one about the jalapenos so I'm saying you don't like jalapenos okay and a whole banana every day you don't eat a whole banana every day. So you're a 50 50 because I don't eat a whole banana every day, but I do. <laughs> we actually just made jalapeno poppers this weekend. I do love jalapenos. Really? <laughs> I used to hate spicy food, but yeah, I, I like spicy food now. And then the thing about fish was like, I was like, no, I do eat fish. I worded it wrong. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> Thanks. I messed up, but I made it work. <laughs> Thanks for going with the flow. <laughs> of course. Um, it's uh yeah i love it's funny because my family hates indian food but i like love it and i'll be i'll be sitting there cooking and like putting curry all over it and my sister's like krista that's too much curry and i'm like there's no such thing as too much curry <laughs> too much curry yeah i guess if you don't like it it's gonna be too much right <laughs> um josh as i um as I researched your story a bit, there was so much about it that was so mind boggling and just blew me away. Um, and then I caught a glimpse of your tattoo, mm. which says that fear is just a thought and thoughts can be changed. And um, that I kept like, I literally, that has been repeating in my mind ever since I saw it. Um, and I love that because one of the things that I um, share with people is that you know, in terms of self-discipline and exercise and health, like no matter how long you've been stuck in a place, it really is like, I would say 90 to 99% all about mindset. I may even say 100% all about mindset. And, um, and so it seems as though in your, your tattoo, like you, you've taken, and I don't know your whole life story, I'm excited to hear more, but you've taken your whole life story and summed it up in one sentence, um, that fear is just a thought and thoughts can be changed. And so I would love to just hear more about your story and even how that quote ties into your story and, and even the man you've become up until this point. Yeah, and the, the tattoo, I think it was the beginning of 2016 I got it. It was my first tattoo actually. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it summed up or it sums up so much about my journey and my life, but I think every human being's life, because we all have this, we all share the same emotions. Fear happens to be a predominant one, especially in today's society that we all experience. And there was something about BMX that really taught me how to audit, assess, and like apply the emotion of fear when I was experiencing it. And it really just came from this vision that I held in my mind that was stronger than the negative emotion of fear meaning that vision I was working towards, whether it was a trick and now it's evolved into other aspects of my life and goals and things like that, that vision was strong enough that it kept bringing my mind back to it. So I want to learn this trick. Fear pops in. What if this happens? Or I saw this happen to someone else, or I maybe tried this before and this happened. And those are just thoughts that's not in the now. Like when people talk about being present, being present is just right now. And whatever you're feeling, whatever you're seeing, you're thinking, and what I was doing was I was putting myself every which way besides right now. And I unconsciously learned that at a young age from BMX of, you know, like, well, if I want to do this trick, I either want it strong enough or I'm going to let fear take over. And obviously I was able to move past the fear and learn a bunch of cool tricks and do a lot of things on my bike that majority of the population never will do, nor would they ever think that they want to try it. Um, but I was just led down that road. And uh, so, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, it was six years after the first brain tumor diagnosis that I got that tattoo and I'd gone through two other diagnoses or I'd gone through two total up into that point. 
and a bunch of other things. And I was just learning really, um, I was just really learning in depth about mindset and the unconscious mind and the conscious mind and how they communicate with one another and how like majority of how we show up in our adult life is unconsciously through memorized sets of behaviors and emotional reactions and all these things. And I just wanted a, a reminder and of of this belief that I had been carrying that was becoming more and more conscious. And now four years later, it's it's everything I do. It's focused around being conscious and learning about the unconscious parts of myself, which we call the ego. It's what makes up who you are or you're referring to when you say I or me. And uh, yeah, the tattoo is just, it's been, it's been a popular um, aspect of myself sharing that people gravitate towards because I think everyone can relate to having thoughts and having the emotion of fear. And what I like to do is get people to understand the loop of thoughts creating chemical reactions that we call emotions or feelings, which influence the body to behave a certain way, which over time creates the habits of which we live our lives. And it's a continuous loop because every time you think something, your body generates chemicals to make you feel what you're thinking. And then that signals back to the brain to let you know that you're feeling what you're thinking. And then you behave a certain way and it drives this cycle further and further until we wake up we're 35 years old, 95% of how we operate is an unconscious program that we never had a real choice in. Because zero to 12 years old, psychology tells us most of our personalities formed because we're modeling, we're watching, we're, we're just feeling, we're not really logically thinking because that part of our brain hasn't fully developed and doesn't stop developing until we're 26. So um, it's just really become a big passionate piece of my life because it makes, the more I've learned about my mind and how I operate, the more I, I can make connections to my past, make understandings, find the meanings, find the insecurities and tie all that into, well, where do I want to go? You know, a lot of times we'll say, I want X, Y, and Z, but those old patterns of thinking and feeling and behaving come in to say, well, who are you to want that? Or it's not possible for you. Or why even bother? You're not even going to succeed. Or, you know, you're nothing, you're nothing like that. You're just like your mother. You're just like them. Or you're just like your father. Like, you know, all these living beliefs pop in and it's all, you know, trying to protect us from the unknown. And so, you know, tying that all back into fears as a thought, thoughts can be changed. I mean, it's like, because so many of us live defined by our emotions and I see it all the time. I used to do this, but like, I am angry today or I'm depressed. Something so simple like that, it communicates to your unconscious mind that you're affirming what you don't want. And when you can understand that and then audit your thoughts and your feelings on a regular basis, you become more aware. And when you become aware, you, you learn that they're just thoughts that's triggering all these connections from a, from a mind perspective to a biological, to a neurochemical, to a physiological perspective. And then it's like, oh, I'm causing my reality. Like when you accept that you're the cause of the reality you live, see, feel, and just hear like whoever is in that, like whatever that is to you, that's your personal reality. It's stemmed, created from your personality. And until you become aware of that, you have no idea why you're where you are if you're unhappy or if you're happy, you know? And that's why a lot of people may be happy and then the, all of a sudden something changed and they, they're not happy anymore. It all comes down to understanding who you are on the mental and emotional level and having that conscious decision moving forward anytime fear, an obstacle, a setback, whatever you want to call it happens. And that's what fears as a thought, thoughts we change means to me and what it summarizes. And I've just, I keep, I know that was a little bit of a rant, but like I just continue going all in on that understanding so much to where the business I run today, it's, it's based on that. It's based mm -hmm. on my experience, my journey and my beliefs. And by sharing those beliefs, I've been able to help other people which is another big part of who I am and what I want to do, because that's what helps me get to where I am today was mm -hmm. reaching out to other people, learning from afar and things like that. So yeah, I think that's, that's like my favorite thing to talk about is just the thoughts that we have and how we're not dictated by them unless we choose to do so. Oh my gosh. I'm doing backflips inside right now. <laughs> Seriously. You're like speaking my language and it's definitely not a rant rant away <laughs> because this is so important and this is something my family gets tired of me preaching it my friends haven't gotten tired of it yet that's because i haven't fully unleashed on them but <laughs> it is so true like it is so um one of my favorite um books of the bible actually is proverbs and because it's so full of wisdom and so full of prudence 
and my one of my all-time favorite verses in the book of Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so is he. And so it's pretty much what you're saying, like you become, we become what we think about. And I remember um, back in 2015, when I first started this journey of health, like I actually said yes to health, like I'm going to be committed to this. Even if I have a bad day, I'm going to be committed to this. And um, it led to some pretty amazing things. And I feel I feel much more amazing than I did before that. But I thought initially that my biggest struggle and obstacle would be the actual working out or the actual eating healthy or, you know, the actual like giving up sugar. And those things were not necessarily super easy, but what made them easy was the moment I made up in my mind. Like I made it up in my mind and then came the visualization techniques. And um, even there were moments where I would speak out of my mouth, like today I am going to work out. (laughs) Today, I know it sounds so like, so simple and and so elementary but it helped me so much and just that just that process of getting my mind to a place where my feelings my thoughts my emotions all of it could agree with what was what was happening and it is a place of telling yourself what to do but honestly once you get into that place you are invincible you really are like you're forced to be reckoned with because no one can touch like what's up here, you know, only like you have the power to that, you have access to that. Um, would you say that was, uh, did you grow up that way? Like, or can you, can you point to like things maybe your family members did or your parents did to kind of help cultivate that in you? Or, or was it when you started uh, riding BMX? Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, but you said something, uh, the whole section of what you just said reminds me of the book atomic habits have you read that i haven't no it's by james clear and he talks about the beginning before he goes into the laws of habit or behavior change really he talks about you can set goals in two ways you can set goals from an outcome based goal so you start with the outcome and if you if you've referred to the uh, if you heard of the golden circle you refers to the golden circle quite a bit simon sinek does a lot of talking on that and like the three layers of you know the outcome-based goals are, um, you know, what you're going towards. I want to lose X amount of weight, or I want to lift that much weight, or I want to look like whatever it is, that's an out, or I want this much money, or I want like, that's an outcome-based goal. To get that, you have to implement some systems or strategies. That's the journey. That's the process. And that's where usually people, most people will get to, and that's why they reach success. But the reason why they either don't hang on to that success, or maybe they never reach it to begin with, depending on where they're coming from, is they don't get to that inner core part of that identity change. And so he talks a lot about flipping it and focusing on identity change to create or to learn about the systems, to implement the systems as a byproduct of who you believe you are. So rather than thinking, I need to eat healthy food and not eat the junk food, it's thinking of yourself as, I'm a healthy person. What would a healthy person do right now? And that's that's like the first steps into the process or the journey and the systems. And then that goes and gets you your outcomes by definition. Um, so it's just an interesting thing that I, I, you reminded me of when you were talking about that, because that's like what I've tried to understand when I first started coaching people and building my programs and things like that. I was so focused on the outcomes and then I create the systems and the processes. And then I miss the, the pieces for me that change because it, it happened so quickly and internally because I was faced with life or death and I had a brain tumor surgery. So I had no no options after that. Like It was just like, oh, I need to take care of my health because... I don't want this to come back. Ironically, I did two more times and I learned more and more and I'm good today. But um, that's why I was like, man, why are people either signing back on with me like months down the road or a year later, or they're just not, maybe not getting the results even with me. And I've actually had to fire clients or I've had clients just not show up. And I thought that was my, my fault. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, but then I started learning more about the identity changes and that made all the sense. So to your question, yeah, I mean, I was raised by a working class family and I was taught, you know, you work hard for the life you want and you know, the amount of work you, you put in the effort you put in, that's going to yield the results you get. So my mom was never focused on grades per se in school, as long as my effort was there. And if my effort was there and I wasn't getting high grades, Well, then it came down to what else do you need? And most of the time, I think actually 99% of the time, maybe probably 100% of the time, I just didn't care enough about the topics. I did my homework. I passed the test. I did the bare minimum because I was so focused on working and riding my bike. 
because I went to a technical high school to be, I guess it's like a trade school. Um, and I, I chose landscaping because I really enjoyed it. I started working for a friend of our family right before high school started. So I went to the trade school and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here because I knew 10th grade came about. If my grades were a B or higher, I believe it was, maybe a B minus or higher, that I could enter the co-op program. So I could go literally work two weeks, make money and earn credit for my shop and then go to academics for two weeks. And I could do that for the rest of my high school career. So I was you know, encouraged by my family to work hard and then the results would come from the amount of work I put in, the effort I put in, the focus. And then through BMX, I learned very quickly that if you're not entirely focused and if you're not committed, you're either going to not learn the tricks that you want, not do as well in the contest, or you're going to hit the ground that's going to hurt really hard, or it's going to, it's going to, it's going to hurt really bad because you're going to hit really hard, uh, depending on how high you're going at the level of, you know, amateur and then growing and progressing. So it was a lot of, you know, the foundation my family laid for me going in through the trade school I chose for high school, then, you know, working and, you know, being trained on the job and then at school. And then BMX was the, like the, the final nail in the coffin, if you will, that just kind of solidified all of these things to create the identity I had was I'm going to work hard at what I want and I'm going to put the time, the effort, the sacrifice and all these things. And all that came in, you know, very profound when I was faced with a brain tumor diagnosed when I was 21 and I had to put a lot of these pieces together to save my life. And that's why I talk a lot about like the identity shift and, you know, the perspective and the mindset direction and what your intentions that you're focusing on. Because I had two choices as I saw it with, um, you know, brain surgery. I could think about what happens if I don't wake up or I can think about what's going to happen when I do wake up. And although I was tempted and I did think about, you know, uh, maybe I'm never going to wake up, I'm going to die. Those were my initial thoughts for the first couple of days through the week and a half from diagnosis to surgery, it started shifting. And I was focusing on who I was at the time. I was a professional BMX athlete. I was living my dream and some, you know, I'm traveling the world. I'm friends with all the people I looked up to on TV. And, you know, I'm like, I'm competing for a living. I'm being paid to go see the world. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready to stop. I'm not, I wasn't even thinking about life or death at that point. I was just like, this is what consumes me and drives me and I'm not done. And so I just started focusing on, okay, I can't control the surgery. I can't control the outcome, but I can control where my mind goes. And so I just went all in on focusing on, you know, thankfully I had videos to watch myself and I just having these conversations and talking about, oh, I'm going to train differently. I'm, you know, I'm never going to give up an opportunity, like all these things. And I think that that was why I had the success I had and I was back on my bike in five weeks out of surgery. I think it was because of that mentality and just doing, I treated it like an injury. So I was just like, you know, what do I need to do? When do I do it? Like when can I get back on my bike? That's, that's all I was focused on. But yeah, it started like that, that mentality started with my family, the, the path in school I, I chose and then living on my own pursuing BMX from 17 years old till now. It just, it created a lot of these systems in place to solidify an identity, which came to be a challenge three years ago when I decided to walk away from BMX professionally and pursue this new route that I'm on. Cause then a lot of my identity was hung up on the things I did and how I described myself to people that when I was no longer doing those things and no longer saying I'm a professional BMX athlete, like everything I worked for as a child, I'm no longer that in a outside perspective. So that's a whole nother topic to dive into, but that's where the ego gets, gets uh, in the way sometimes wants to keep us safe. And, um, yeah, a lot of things built upon that, but that's, I think that that's why I was able to get to where I am today was because of that identity that I've carried with me now. It just, maybe I describe it a little differently, but I am who I am. And I think that a lot of that stuff stemmed on an early age, thankfully to my parents and how they raised me and just carried over to the next thing and the next thing. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That is, that is key identity, like the core at the core of it. Um, and I, it reminds me as you're talking. So I, I love, uh, movies and one of my favorite movies, um, is Harriet with Cynthia Revo. I don't know if you've seen Harriet. Um, I want to yeah. say, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if I've seen it or if it's just like on my list to watch. Okay. But, okay. I know what you're talking about though. Okay. You got to watch this movie when you get the chance. I'm like obsessed with it. Um, and I'm one of those people, I don't know if you can tell yet, I, I never am in the middle about something. I never like just sort of like something or sort of hate something. <laughs> just like I'm obsessed with Curry, I'm obsessed with this movie Harriet. <laughs> I have a Harriet shirt. I was going to wear it today. but <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> um, 
but at the end of the movie, um, she is, she says to one of the slave owners, she says, I've seen the future and my people are free. And it like, I got chills even now as I just said it, like it gave me chills because that is so key what you said about like, when you had your brain tumor, you begin to focus on, I'm not done doing what I was created to do. One of the things I'm called to do, I'm not done doing that. Mm -hmm. And so you say you begin to look at it as an injury. And I think it is highly important to focus on the future and focus on what's ahead. And, um, it's, and that ties into to motives and why you're doing what you were doing and, and every bit of that. Like, um, for example, me, like most days, I don't have any children yet, but most days I think about like my future family and my children and my grandchildren and like the type of life they will live if I fully say yes. If I fully say yes, if I'm fully committed to transformation, like what it will mean for my children and my grandchildren. And so for me, it's a lot about inheritance. Um, and, and it keeps me going. It keeps me moving when I, when I don't want to do that, that one little thing. And so I put a lot of weight on, on day-to-day life um, decisions. Um, and some people say it's a bit extreme, but for me, it keeps me all in. Um, and I don't always get it right. I don't think anyone ever does, but it it keeps me kind of grounded and solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting when you're passionate about something, you're holding yourself accountable and you're committed. People will say that's extreme. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to speak for you, but I think you and I resonate with what's extreme is not being intentional with your days and wow. your choices. Mm-hmm. I think that's extreme, but that's become the the widely acceptable way of living is autopilot. And what you were just talking about is something that I've learned was what I mentioned earlier, like that, that vision I held in my mind is what allowed me to overcome such grueling challenges and things that I don't wish upon any people. And I don't think many people will go through the things I've gone through just like, like, you know, some people will never go through or I'll never go through things. Yeah. I don't like to say that actually, because it puts, wrong ideas of people's minds but like having your skull cut open i i guarantee most people won't go through that nor do i want them to but in times like that it becomes easy to shift into the perspective of the future of what you want you're working towards because it's been that's how you've defined yourself Mm -hmm. and i don't have you heard of dr joe dispenza yes so he talks a lot about being defined by the vision you hold in your mind rather than your environment and when you can be when your state of being can be greater than your environment, that's when true change occurs and where you become, you know, you surrender to the journey of the process and that speeds up the time between where you are now and where you want to go. And he uses like Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. Like he uses like very profound models for this way of thinking. He's like, what do you think that was going on in their day to day that they had every reason to give up or to quit? Mm-hmm but they didn't. They, they were so defined by a future they could see in their mind that other people told them they were crazy. And now we look back and they're some of the most, you know, remembered and recognized people ever, but it's because they were the ones that people said, Oh, that's extreme. That's yeah. crazy. But I mean, I, I think it saved my life. Um, because it allowed me to do things one way when I could have done it the other way. And I talk a lot about that when I was diagnosed, you know, I had so many reasons to have just given up, to never rode my bike again, to just play the, you know, the victim to pity party, like all the, the initial emotions I felt and the thoughts I had, no one would have judged me if I had just continued down that path. They would have just been grateful I was alive, but something about my identity and which is why I was able to get to where I was at BMX. Um, and where I am today was there was some part of my identity that was like, that's not enough. Wow. It, it's not enough to just be alive. It's not enough to just succeed. Like I want to be alive and beyond. Like I want to be thriving, you know? Um, and I want to, like, I want to just create this, this reality that's in my mind. And thankfully I was already kind of doing that, but yeah, I think that's so important is when you can actually sit down and ask yourself, you know, just thinking about what you're thinking about and then seeing how that makes you, there's a, there's a 
thing I call the tear method. A friend of mine shared with me, it's, it's an acronym, T-E-A-R. Thoughts, emotions, actions, results, or reality. So it's like, if you're in your current reality, it's so easy to just backtrace. Okay, what are the thoughts I'm having? That's making me feel this way. What are the actions I'm doing or not doing because of the way I feel? What outcome is that giving me? What, what reality is that? And it's like you mentioned, simple. It's not easy by any means, mm -hmm. especially the older you get and the longer you've been doing and participating in those habits, solidifying that identity more and more. It's challenging, but it's so simple. If every human being just sat a little bit of time and just thought about what they're thinking about, thought about what they're feeling, and maybe what's triggering that from a thought, and then what are they doing with their body, with their behavior, their decisions, choices as a byproduct of that, it's easy to see the reality they live in. And I find every time I share about accountability and that, that exact concept, I get the most dramatic and wild, bizarre examples of unwanted things happening to people. And I believe it's because they're missing the point. It's not about controlling your reality. Mm. Things are going to happen. Yeah. That's inevitable. It's life. Like we're billions of little human beings on this flying rock in space yeah. around the sun. <laughs> like it's pretty, pretty incredible. Like you can't control the outcome. You can control how you respond. You can control how you think, how you feel and how you behave. Yeah. And that's the main point because I find that what I went through, I could have easily done it, taken a different route. I could have thought differently. I could have felt differently and therefore I could have reacted differently and maybe not been here today. So, um, yeah, I just, I just love talking about that. And like you said, you're, you're very big into mindset and that just, what you were saying reminded me of, uh, doctor, I get his books over there and rereading one of them. And he just, he uses those, those great men as examples of being defined by their vision when they could have, they had every opportunity and every right to give up based on their environment externally, but internally it was very different. And I think that that's something that people could have profound shifts in their lives if they just focus more on what they want rather than what they don't want. I mean, there's a problem. Cool, you got a problem. But if you're so focused on the problem, how do I solve this problem? You're just focused on the problem. You miss opportunities come by. And they've done studies where they have like money on the ground and all these other distractions because people's awareness is focused on everything else. They walk over the hundred bucks on the ground or they miss it right there, plain in sight. And there's a... Uh, there's a video, it's a psychology video. They have uh, two, they have three people in white shirts, three people in black shirts passing a basketball. And the test, I don't know if you've seen this, is to count how many times the white shirt group passes the basketball. And they're just all going around, passing it, mixing in. And when you're so focused on watching, they have a person in a gorilla costume walk by, stop, and then continue going. And you're supposed to ask the people when they're done, like, did you see the gorilla? After you ask them how many times they pass. And most of the time people are like, no, I missed it. And then you rewind it and you see it. And that's just our awareness. That's a great example. Um, and that's just, yeah, I think that, I mean, I know that was a long-winded thing, but what you just said was just so profound of just, can you be defined by the vision you hold in your mind or are you going to be defined by your environment? There's no right or wrong. You're just going to get one reality versus the other. It could be what you want versus what you don't want. So true. Oh my gosh. When you said that, I remember seeing that video. I saw it years ago. The gorilla one? I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, <And> perception <laughs> is interpretation, I think is what comes to mind for that. Yes. The first time I did not see it. They were, when they told me that a gorilla, that I remember the costume, when they said, did you see the, co the person in the costume like walk across? And I was like, what? like <laughs> there yeah. was someone in a costume and so then they rewinded it back and i and i watched it again i was like <laughs> oh my gosh i couldn't believe it <laughs> yeah it's a it's a great example of just the opportunities that we look over every day um you know there's like that um i forget where it comes from that story where this you know someone um stranded in the ocean like please god send someone to you know, send, send me a sign that it's going to be okay. And like the, the boat comes by and he's like, no, I'm good. You know, God's that God's got me. I'm good. And then the next boat comes by. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then, you know, he's like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, I just sent you like two boats to rescue you. You know, he's like, Oh, like, <laughs> I just think when we get so focused on things, um, it just narrows our focus and then we don't, we don't see things, especially when you're stressed. That's, that's one of the most profound mm. ways this happens when you're stressed, your focus just narrows in on you. You become selfish 
survival technique you know we're yeah. cavemen basically living in the modern world like our chemistry and our brains haven't changed yeah. we react the same way so when you're stressed you're just you're focused like that's why your your blood all pumps out your extremities like you're getting ready to fight or, or run you know so um it's just a great reminder you know just there's so many possibilities the more you think about what you don't want you limit the possibilities the more you mm. ask yourself questions like how can i afford this or how can i learn this or how can I do this? Or what would it take to have this life? Rather than saying, I can't. Like you you, you open your mind to the possibilities rather than closing it. Yep. Yep. Amen. <laughs> it is, um, I remember that reminds me, I was watching uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, have you heard? I don't know if you've heard of him. Rich Dad, um, Poor Dad. Yeah, I was going to say, I was looking for the book. I think Jackie has it out there. But yeah, okay. I was like, is that is that how you say his last name <laughs> right <laughs> he um but robert kiyosaki so actually when i i used to drive for Domino's, and um when i love one of the parts i didn't like just love love my job one of you you probably know this one of the most miserable things is to stick an entrepreneur in a job over and over and over again you mm -hmm. know um and but it it's character it builds character <laughs> Um, so I'm grateful for that season of my life, but I would, I would love like listening to audio books and, and different things. And that, I think that was the first uh, book I listened to was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, really? But yeah. Um, and one of the things though, he says in an interview, he's like, like you were saying, um, he said he noticed with his poor dad, uh, which was for those of you who don't know, um, the dad who raised him, his biological dad, um, he said he noticed his dad would say, oh, I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. I can't afford it. And his rich dad, who was his best friend's dad, um, who lived right across the street, he called him his rich dad. He would say, well, how can I afford it? And so it's a simple, you know, the most obvious things I feel like are the easiest to miss. It's that, that small switch in your brain. Yeah. Um, and it creates a ripple effect. One of the things I'm, I've noticed for me is um, I'll go to something really simple, like uh, taking cold showers. Um, I, I've, I'm in a season now where I'm like reacclimating my body back to taking warm showers because I got too comfortable with cold showers. Mm -hmm. So then I'm going to switch again pretty soon <laughs> um, back to cold showers. But literally, I would start my morning like that and because I was trying to get my brain okay with discomfort, I would realize that the other tasks in my day were not a huge issue for me yep. because I had already started with becoming okay with it, like get comfortable in the discomfort. And I would notice different things would pop up. And um, whereas before I would say, oh, that's too hard. I can't do that. But they would pop up and I'd be like, oh, wait, I just took a cold shower. I hated it, but I was fine. I lived like this will be okay too. And so I try to take that mindset into whether I'm blogging or I want to start a new project or even a new job. Um, so yeah, you've just yeah. created more awareness. And that's, that's something that like, um, Joe Rogan and Andre Marcus were, I think they were doing a podcast on Andre's podcast platform. And Joe was talking about creating your own struggle by going to the gym, you know, like, if, if you think about it, that's what it is. Like you're either paying to have a plan designed or you're designing your own workout plan, but you're the one doing it. Mm -hmm. So therefore you're the one either programming or paying for programming to, um, to challenge yourself. You know, um, I think that, like you said, like for me, that's why I like working out first thing in the morning, I'm creating my own struggle to overcome. And like you said, with the cold shower stuff, it makes everything else that is unwanted easier to look at because you created this physically and mentally um, challenging thing whether it's a cold shower which people haven't taken a cold shower they don't say anything until you go do it mm -hmm. um, it's very very challenging yeah uh, very shocking but the same thing with working out you know um, some people may enjoy working out but it's still like your brain is designed for the path of least resistance so if you give your unconscious mind an opportunity it's going to say no i'll skip the gym i'll stay in bed um, but so like every time you do work out or you take a cold shower or you do something that's challenging that you created you're overcoming yourself essentially, but you're overcoming a struggle that makes other things come at you easier to assess, not meaning they're gonna be easy to overcome or it's gonna be simple, but it's easier to look at it from a different perspective. 
And that's the thing with awareness. The more awareness you can create in your day to things you're doing or that you're implementing to overcome as a challenge itself or whatever, anytime something else occurs, whether it's unwanted or wanted, you become more aware of these things and how you react and where you want to go. And I think that that's the biggest thing is just creating more awareness. Cause once you understand how you respond to like, um, work, let's just say, cause everyone, you know, works for the most part, let's say you have, you run a business or you have a job and you're stressed about it and something happens in that day, whether it's your boss or a coworker or a client, whatever, if you understand how and why you reacted the way you did, it's not about them. It's not about anything outside of you. It's about how you interpreted it and how you reacted. The more awareness you can create around that, the more you're going to be able to consciously choose how you respond to people, whether this guy cuts you off and before you'd be like, oh, like you're a dickhead. Like now you're like, yeah. oh, shoot. like I wonder what kind of day he's having. Mm. And I'd done that before. A friend challenged me with, with that a couple of years ago. And then I was like, oh, there's two kids in the back too that mom was trying to drive and knock wow. them. She didn't mean to cut me off. I don't think yeah. people mean to do things like that. But yeah, I think that's just what comes to mind is like creating your own struggle to overcome makes other things easier that you didn't ask for, but then also having that awareness to who you are and how you respond to things and then challenging yourself, it makes things easier to, I guess, appreciate and see what you can learn from rather than, oh, this day is terrible or like F that dude or like yeah. things like that. Yeah. It's almost like a, like a simulation in a way. Um, I, I thought about, there's uh, another movie I love, um, called, uh, is it Divergent? Divergent. Divergent. Um, with, uh, man, I cannot remember the name, the main actress's name off the top of my head right now, but, um, the way the movie works, um, and I talk a little bit about this in another podcast, but it is, um, set up where there's a, a futuristic society where they are broken up into different factions. And so there's one faction called the Divergent and the government of that society, their whole goal is to keep Divergent people, like they, they pretty much want to kill you if you're Divergent because Divergent means you don't fit into any category. And those are the people who are, who are most likely to overthrow the government and not just go with the flow of things. And so the main character, she, she finds out she's Divergent because they give you a test. And the way... Um, she found out is because she's in a simulation. They put you in a simulation and, you know, crazy stuff. Like one of them, she's trapped in this glass case and it begins to fill up with water and, or water, depending on where you're from, water, water, um, <laughs> filling up with water. And it fills up until she's underneath submerged, like, and she can't get out. And she says to herself, as in the simulation, she says, wait a minute this isn't real. She says that, wait, this isn't real. And she begins to gently tap on the glass and without much effort at all, it shatters and breaks and she's free. And it just, um, I'm, I'm, this may seem kind of strange, but so I dream about three to four times every night. And when, um, I wanted to, when I began to learn the difference between reality and what I feel like what's actually real and what I feel, I began to learn it through dreams. And so I became um, someone who could determine, and I still do this, can determine whether or not I'm in a dream. Like literally a few weeks ago, I was having a dream. It was a horrible dream. And I said to myself, wait a minute, I don't have to put up with this. And I literally just woke up. Mm. <laughs> and that's something over time that I've learned to do. Um, but it began to teach me, like, if I can just think and it's, and it doesn't, it's not like I stop thinking when I sleep. And so if I can learn just like the main character in Divergent, how to look at something and say, wait a minute, this isn't real, or this isn't, I'm feeling anxiety right now, but nothing's going on around me mm -hmm. that is actually wrong. Okay. What's going on and stopping to pause and look deeper and it can totally shift a moment. Yeah, hundred percent. And something that's interesting about dreams is I was, um, you know, told that our dreams are like our unconscious mind talking to us, but because our unconscious mind um, acts more like a seven-year-old in terms of how it responds and things like that, it talks in pictures. So it like gives you these dreams and you're the one creating them. But it's something that I've been trying to be more aware of is taking note of like what I was dreaming about and like kind of like, what was, what was the meaning behind this? Because we have bizarre dreams sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just, um, it's really interesting just trying to think about like, what is your unconscious mind trying to tell you right now about your life or what you got on your mind that you're pushing and suppressing? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I w and I feel like this is the age old question in the health coaching world um, or anyone that's helping anyone, whether you're a consultant, but what do you think is the biggest thing? Of course, the mind, but I don't know if you've taken time to dig deeper or think more about what keeps people from getting there like what i mean getting have you where? getting to the point where they can stop and think about mm. what is happening um or you know or i've heard people ask me well, well how do you get people to do what they know they should do but don't want to do i said i feel like if 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 there was a perfect answer to that <laughs> well you and i would be out of a job but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is you don't. I mean, hmm. you don't you don't get anyone to do anything they don't wow. want to do. Yeah, you know. But I think what's helpful for me is kind of how I've just reevaluated how I take on clients, how I even have conversations with potential clients, mm -hmm. um, but diving a little deeper than surface level questions. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're not going to change anyone unless they truly want to change. But yeah they may sign on with you let's say they may pay you may pay you in front in full up front but then you find that they don't do the work or they're not showing up to calls like mm -hmm. that's what i've experienced in the past and i thought that was about me and it was because i wasn't going through a process which i learned today that i've gone through as a client of a coach who i work with still mm -hmm. and it was like oh man this makes so much more sense so if someone saying they want to change they hired you or maybe it's someone that's picking your brain and they're just not doing anything that's wow. that's that's their ego like that's that's the part of them that they've created this veil if you will that's trying to protect them so consciously they're saying i'm overweight i want to make a change i want to be in shape but if they never get in tune with the mental and emotional aspect of why they're overweight to begin with and why they want to be in shape and the you know whatever it comes from that their unconscious mind their ego which is 95 percent of how adults 35 and up usually uh, operate is they're going to have all these different signals from the body of the mind when they do make a change of telling them oh you're not you're not capable of change just start tomorrow why why bother wow. you know like it's going to be difficult or like you've tried before and you've always failed or you know everyone in your family is overweight or unhealthy like all these things mm -hmm. come up and that's why Dr. Joe's book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and Atomic Habits by James Clear, those two books are so profound and some of my favorites to recommend because James is a little bit more uh, simple in, in terms of like the terminology he uses um, for good reason. Dr. Joe Dispenza is a very complex um, human being and his books, very simple to understand, but he does bring you through a lot of like the basics of quantum physics, which would just blow your mind, even if you understand what it is. Mm -hmm. But getting at the part of the unconscious self, you know, the ego, the personality that you've created or that you've unconsciously created that's preventing you from making changes. And I see that with my with some of my friends, some of my family. It's like mm -hmm. no matter what I share with them, no matter how, what angle I come with, whether it's anger or it's just love and it's just like, doesn't matter if it doesn't click with them because they haven't assessed where they are and what risk factors come or what's important to them or what about them do they need to change based on their needs and their wants. They don't get in tune with that. It's going to be easy. I mean, it's like anything. Like if you're not passionate about gardening, mm -hmm. you know, are you going to garden every day or are you going to, if you commit to a 30 day gardening challenge, mm -hmm. is it going to be easy for you to miss a day and not feel bad about it? Mm -hmm. But if you're passionate about your business, you know, are you going to feel guilty about not getting to those emails every day? Um, you know, it's just a difference. It's just focus. It's just, it's just energy. And if you're mentally and emotionally attached to something that you don't understand that you are, it's going to be so difficult to change that piece of you. And so that's why I like with my clients, there's no, there's no if, ands or buts. Like we're not moving to food and exercise or fasting or supplement. We're not moving to any of that mm -hmm. until we go through these specific mental and emotional aspects that are very important because I learned that from without doing it. And I've learned that from experience of hiring a coach at the beginning of this year to walk me through these things and to help me with my business and all that. And so to, to in short, to answer your question, if someone is asking like, how do you make someone change? Like I love this person or they're just so, you know, unhealthy right now, or they had a heart attack or whatever it is. It's like, you don't, 
All you can do is support them, share with them, share experiences I find is so much more helpful than the science, which I went through years of trying to learn all these, un, like these very complicated mechanisms in the body. And it's like, people don't, they don't want to hear about that. They want to hear about, you know, what solutions do you have? Um, what can they actually do? But before any of that even resonates with a belief in them, they have to understand who they are and how they've created the reality they live in today. And mm. if you share certain aspects with them and get them to see if you don't make a change today, you know, and ask these questions, what's five years going to look like? What's 10 years going to look like? Who besides you is this going to affect? Most people start to open up and you play the why game, you know, like, you know, so what's your goal? Like if you're taking on a new client, you talk about, all right, what's, what's the goal? They're like, I want to lose 50 pounds. All right, cool. Why? Well, I just want my clothes to fit better. Okay, cool. Why? Because I think it'll give me more confidence. All right, cool. For what purpose? Oh, maybe I'll be able to, you know, show up better in the workplace. Maybe I'll be able to start that business or maybe I'll be able to ask that person out. Maybe I'll be able to, whatever it is, right? Well, why is that important? Well, because I feel, you know, and you just keep doing that. And you, if, if you have someone that's really opening up, you can, you know, the more you practice this, the more you learn it, you can, you can bring them to something that they can't see. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now I, I, I feel it. I need to make some changes. And just one last thing on that, like what I've learned is just like, we want to throw all these things at people. Like we, this is so good. You got to do this. You got to be meditating. You got to eat, like, you know, work out. You got to stop doing just one thing. If someone's open to change, just one thing. Cause that, yeah. that's going to create that identity change. Every yeah. time they do one simple thing, whether they're conscious of it or not, that unconscious part of themselves is going to, it's going to notice it. And mm -hmm. it's like, he talks about in atomic habits, he talks about like, when you walk into a room as an adult now and it's dark, you automatically just know, flip the light switch. You've mm. done something so many times that the, that neurological association of X equals Y, you know, whatever it is, it's already there. And so then therefore, you know, like, oh, if the light doesn't come on and I flip the switch, maybe the light bulb's gone. Like, these are all things that build up over time. So when it comes to making changes with health and performance, start with one thing because you can build mm. on that. If someone goes to the gym 30 minutes for 30 days in a row, then all of a sudden they miss one day, their unconscious mind comes out and it's like, see, you can't stick to anything. Mm -hmm. See, you're a failure. And so um, I, I just think like t people want other people to change in various aspects because we love wow. people, you know, sometimes that majority of the time that's a projection of our own wow. self, Yeah. but also there's no magic. There's no magic to it. It's just the person's going to want to change. And if they don't want to change, Maybe that's their ego trying to protect them from change because that's all they know so far. And maybe they got to get in tune with the mental and emotional reasonings of what created that identity that led them to the reality they live with. That's, that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. We can't make anyone change. <laughs> no, you got yeah, to want it. I mean, yeah. think about it. If you're in a relationship with someone and that's dating becomes interesting when you start learning about yourself. When you get yourself, when you find a relationship, when this goes to the, um, I'm sorry, I'm learning more about this, um, this thing called the shadow. Have you heard about like you have, we have our ego, but then we have our shadow. I haven't. So from my basic understanding so far, our shadow is everything that we say we're not. I'm not an angry mm. person. I'm not impolite. So when we see people acting in that manner, it's, it's a projection of the parts of ourselves that we are, but we don't act on and don't believe we are. And then wow. if, it, it's very fascinating. Um, but I forget where I was going to go with that. You just said something that made me think of that. About us not, not um, being able to change people. Um, yes. So that's, that was where I was going with that. We, we see in relationships, we tend to gravitate towards someone that's like our parents unconsciously because of the model we saw them growing up as. And that meant that that person, the opposite sex, or if you're into the same sex, whatever it is, like that person is a representation of your, your parent internally. And wow. with the opposite sex, it's easier to describe them. I mean, that's where I resonate with, but seeing someone and it makes so much sense when you start to break it down and you're like, Oh, like they're like my mom in that aspect, or they're like, yeah, 
But when you start learning about who you are, you start going down this personal growth development area and you start asking yourself the hard questions of why you do this and why you think that you start to understand relationships more and you find yourself in a relationship that's more than just surface level like oh we like the same music we like the same food we go to the mm -hmm. same gym or like she looks good or he looks good or whatever it is it's like because when you find yourself in those relationships which is most of our younger years mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're like oh like you're not you're not really what I thought and then we unconsciously try to get them to change because we're projecting mm. onto them things about ourselves and it's just super complicated. But if you want someone to change, what I am more opt to thinking now is why do I want them to change? And wow. why do I think that I know better for their life, whether it's true or not, like, I mean, yeah. someone's smoking cigarettes and you know, you know, but it's like, why am I thinking they need to change and why? Because when you can understand that more, then you can have more empathy to understand where they are. And when you can have wow. empathy where someone is, then you're able to be able to resonate at a level they can understand and comprehend that will make them see like, oh, maybe some of this does need to change. But in that context, they believe that change is possible. Hmm. But until someone can really truly accept that they're the cause of their reality and their choices are affecting that, and this is from my past experience, like sharing information and you need to do this, you need to do that. People go into defense mode. We see it in politics all the time. If more people were like, what do you mean by that? Or like what in the political realm, we would see a little different dynamic conversation, but it's just so like, and that's just how it is. When you try to tell someone to change, they're not going to be open to it because unconsciously they think they're wrong. Mm -hmm. They think what their beliefs are are incorrect and no one's going to change in that. Even if you like, Hey, I'll give you a million bucks if you do this, but if you piss them off, you know, their ego is going to come out and they're going to act accordingly. And that's just something that's really challenging, especially with people we love. Yeah. But yep. it's it makes it easier to accept that's their choice. I love them, but also I can't force change. And so it's just getting getting one thing, you know, like my dad, for example, I got him to do one thing now. And it's like consistent. It's like, all right, cool. Let's try to slip something else in there. Like, some awareness, some education too. But, um, but yeah, so... Yeah, you can't change people. They're going to want to yeah. change. And I, I know that for myself. I mean, took a brain tumor and diagnosis when I was young to, to, to tell me or to show me I needed to change. Wow. Wow. Ooh, <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to get off on a rabbit trail because I've got so many questions like popping in my mind. But um, it's, um, first of all, congratulations, congratulations on getting your dad to like... <laughs> Trying to, to try get to take better there, care yeah. of himself. <laughs> it adds up. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's one of the hardest things to do, really. Like people who are close to us, and I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just, you know, way too familiar. Um, I don't know. Something about familiarity that, like, can almost, you know, deafen their ears. Um, one of the things I've had to work on, uh, and I'm still working on, um, is you know, not preaching mm, to my yeah. family. And that, it, that's hard. <laughs> it is hard, because, like you said, because you love them and you care about them. And you're like, I just want to see you, you know, like be happy every day and not be worn out. And, um, you know, like if you, if you're feeling, if you're not feeling well, I don't want to be worried about, you know, oh, is, is this about to go really downhill? Like, yeah. and I just, I want them to, um, to live a the the happy and long life that God has intended for them to live, and um, and so it's so funny you say that because yesterday, um, today yeah yesterday I was on my way to church and I was just praying about my parents and like God help me I need help <laughs> I need help on how to best communicate what's in my heart to them in a way that is palatable and is, you know, non-offensive or that they can actually, they can actually receive it. And so this thought popped into my mind, this random thought was to cook them a meal. And so this week I'm going to cook a meal for my family. I haven't decided yet. I try not to overpower it with like strong flavors, but <laughs> um, it's that place though of love. Mm -hmm. Is I, I really, you know, as when I, when I sensed that, that thought to cook them a meal and I was like, that was so random, but 
you know, I, as I peeled back the layers, I was like, wow, like it's a, it's a, it's a form of hospitality. Yes. And it's a form of love. And I, I, that made me think back to back in 2015, when I moved in with my health nut roommates, who I just thought were, were the weird, the weirdest people. I was like, what's this lemongrass and bean sprouts and all this, like, <laughs> like, give me a bag of Wendy's or something. And, um, but I realized like, neither one of them beat me over the head with anything. They simply lived their lives. They were healthy and they gently like invited me into it. And I think, um, and I'm so grateful for them because I think even before they recommended anything to me, they just paid, they spent a lot of their time paying attention to me and the type of person I was. And, and through that, they determined, okay, what's gonna go well if I, is, is it gonna go well if I say it this way, or is it gonna go better if I say it this way? And so, you know, I remember coming in one day, they were cooking dinner and uh, my roommate, she's Italian. They were both Italian actually. So they were, they, they all Italian, most Italians can cook. And so um, <laughs> she's cooking and she's like, Krista, you know, taste this, you know? And it was so subtle. I knew what they were doing now in hindsight. I'm like, I know what you guys were doing, but I tasted it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I love this. And they cooked me dinner. And, and so that, that began like, and I don't even think they said, oh, you should do this. You should do this. It was more like, hey, Krista, I'm going to do this. You're more than welcome to come along. And I said no a lot at first, but on my own time, I was thinking, you know, those things stuck in my mind. And I was like, wait, I should, I, I should do this. And um, it didn't even take much convincing, honestly. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I <laughs> definitely think that that's a nice way to go that I know now it's like leading by example, you know, yeah. just especially if you can cook a meal or, you know, instead of like, you should eat this and not that it's like, Hey, I'm cooking dinner tonight or I'm cooking lunch. Like let's have, you know, I think that's a good way to approach it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would love Josh for you to tell us a little bit about your organizations and what you're involved in. Um, I'm sorry, I got a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, what you're involved in? Yeah, these so days. Um, I was working on creating a action sports like tour, like a show tour, um, mm -hmm. nonprofit, and I partnered up with the Athlete Recovery Fund to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's been kind of on the back burner for a little while because when it was like three years ago when I came up mm -hmm. with that idea and I was pursuing it before I started my health coaching business. Um, I was going through all my money and realizing, oh, I'm not going to be any help to people if I'm not able to take care of myself. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we um, you know, we've, we've been raising funds for athletes that, that need it and things like mm -hmm. that. So that's been awesome. Um, but as far as like what I'm currently working on today, it's just, yeah, it's just my, my business right now. I'm just trying to take mm -hmm. care of my things, stay afloat. And I'm fairly new into this world of not competing anymore. And so I've learned that uh, if I don't put my oxygen mask on first, then I'm not going to be useful to people. So, wow. um, yeah, working on the business, you know, working with clients, uh, I got my online program, things like that, speaking, you know, doing that more and more up until COVID, of course. And then that's kind of turned into some virtual things and some um, redirecting. But um, I also am uh, on, I'm on the board of Staff Strong. It's a nonprofit uh, designed to raise funds for research and awareness around glioblastomas. And uh, that came, we connected at Biden's Cancer Summit in 2018. And um, so there's a great organization that I love being able to bring my perspective on brain health and performance and then um, just help them raise more awareness and research for funding um, things with glioblastoma. And, um, you know, there's a lot to that that I don't know much about, but I'm learning. And it just is a lot of people I've come in contact with since, um, you know, my experience with brain tumor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all in all, everything I do today, you know, I'm working on a book and things like that. Like it's just it's just to help people believe in themselves, to help give them a conscious chance at life. Like to to take the lens that I've lived my life through and let them borrow it from it to see perspective on different things. But ultimately just understand like, you know, until you know who you are, mm -hmm. you're not gonna really know where you're going or you're not gonna know how to get to where you wanna go because these yeah. these similar you know, challenges or self-sabotage moments are going to keep coming back and forth and you're not mm -hmm. going to know why until you stop and ask yourself why. So 
Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm just trying to help people optimize their health and performance. I just want people to be able to consciously design their ideal lives. Yeah. And I've learned a lot of the hard ways of what happens when you don't prioritize your brain health, when you don't prioritize your health in general. And when you don't ask yourself questions that challenge your ego, um, life can get tricky. And so I just want people to be able to learn from my experience and not have to have what I call the wake up calls that I went through to, to, you know, see it that way. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Kudos to you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. Let us connecting. So yeah, yeah, definitely. For my final question. Um, this probably won't be my final question. I hope to have you on again sometime oh, soon. For sure. but, um, and to talk about keto. We didn't really dive into keto, but um, yeah, we'll have to do a future episode then. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but for my final question, um, at the very end of your life, when you are on the other side of eternity, um, what is one of the things, what is one of the things that you hope people will say about you? Yeah, I've thought about that. Um, I think at the end of the day, I just want people to think about how I just want everyone to win. Like I want whatever mm -hmm. that means to them. You know, I want to lead by example, the things like I never want to be considered someone that didn't follow their word or walk their talk. I'm really big wow. about that. So I just, I just want to be known for contributing, you know, for not being selfish in the sense that like everything I was just gaining in terms of success was just for me because I, I do all the things I do for myself, but yeah, but I also want other people to enjoy their lives, especially my family and my friends. And, um, you know, I think, you know, on top of that, just being known for instilling belief in other people, you know, that's, that's something I, I work really hard at is, um, you know, building a belief in oneself. So. I think, yeah, just simple, just that I wanted to, I did contribute, I help people believe in themselves, and I help people, you know, live their best lives being conscious and healthy and mm -hmm. performing well. So, yeah. Awesome. And where can uh, people stay connected with you? Uh, my website and all my social media is just Josh Perry BMX. So Josh Perry BMX.com or at Josh Perry BMX, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. Josh, thank you. So you blew it out of the water. Thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Guys, please go to Josh's website, go follow him on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, the, the content, the value of his content is beyond phenomenal. It'll change your life if you let it. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for joining me for the Coaches Podcast. You're amazing. Be amazing. And don't let anything stop you. Yeah, if you want to do uh, follow.